Okay, I'm ready to go now. All right, let's do it. We're warmed. If I'm warmed, I'm a hot little bun in the oven. <laughs> well, we're back. We thought we'd be back sooner, but that's my fault. It's okay. my fault, but but you it's got out ahead of it. I'm not gonna make a joke now. Oh no, make a joke. That's better. No, no, it's big of you to to say that it is your fault. So oh, no, I'm not shy. <laughs> well, John learned. John learned a thing about me, is that for most of Oscar bait history, we put in zero effort, but especially I put in zero effort, especially. Um, when I put effort into things that uh, involve movies, I cannot do any less than all of it. And um, so as a result of the, all the different jobs we do in our life that are not this podcast, I wasn't able to fit things in as fast as I could, but we had to wait till, till all that effort was put in and now we're ready. And I understand because listen, I've done the work on this that I did was done decades ago. This yeah. has been well, I, I, like I'm imprinted to my brain, and I need to understand that I'm bringing you on board here. So I can't. Yeah, and also we have different brains. You trust your brain. The the thing I trust least on this whole planet is my own brain. So that's why I have to revisit everything, no matter how many times I've seen it. <laughs> well, you're doing it the right way. I mean, that's, uh, and I want to do it in order because I've never done Zemeckis completely. I've seen everything that he's done, um, but I'd never done it in order. So, well, this is a perfect day for or episode for rewatching shit that you've seen, yeah, a thousand times because that's what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to try to we're going to try to dig a little deeper. Yep. So we're going to avoid describing the plot like some of these other fucking podcasts. We'll only describe uh, loose plots for some of the stuff you may not have watched that we hope you do then watch because it's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is going to be we're fun. Gonna, we're going we're gonna to do like we did with 1941 last time and get all you all you fools missing out to revisit or, mm-hmm. or discover for the first time. We left off at our, our boy... Zemeckis finding great success. Big happiness. Big yeah. happiness. Studio loves him. Everything's coming together. That stone has been romanced. Yeah. He even survived Kathleen Turner being like, I hated how he directed me in the press. Yep. So yep. if you avoided that wrath, that's pretty good. But I would take it as a compliment because I think, I think uh, you know, Kathleen Turner being honest with you. I call that high praise. <laughs> well, guess what? They're going to work together again. That's right. She must not dislike him that much. No, nope. it's because he's a super fan of V.I. Wachowski. <laughs> <laughs> Please let us know if based off Will's reference <laughs> that he ripped out of his anus in the last one. <laughs> Please tell us if you that really, if that sparked you to go watch V.I. Wachowski. Yeah, check it out. Let us know. All right, here we go. So he's had his hit, Romancing the Stone. Big day for Zemeckis. So he and, as you remember, his writing buddy, Bob Gale, um, uh, they they are like, well, what are we going to do? So they dust off an old script that they had been working on for four years. I think four years plus. 
It was in 1980, I think, was like first draft. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So they're working on the script forever. I mean, it's like killing them. And they're like, they're having to do the, the, the color coded index card thing that motherfuckers like to tell you about, which does help. I must say, it does help. I can't be a screenwriter. Well, one of many reasons, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, yeah, I mean, screenwriting is one of the most tedious things on the face of this fucking earth as someone who's their good buddy currently diving into that again yep got them cozy wozies in there it's it's fuck i hate it honestly let me just say this movies really stupid way to express yourself (laughs) like i get poets i don't like poets but i get it bro only squares need screenplays make sound experimental (laughs) yeah right well i just mean like in terms of expressing yourself you're never going to get, like, you have to be really good. And that's, yeah, yeah, movies are, take a lot of money and, you know, this, but I'm just saying, what a bad way. So if you, that's why you like movies. So if you can do it, that's why it's the greatest art form. As they say, because it makes no sense and you'd have to be a fucking to do it. So, (laughs) um, so they're, they're, they're really plugging away at this thing. And eventually they lick it. Now they're having issues trying to figure out certain um, logistical things with it. So they're kind of figuring it out as it goes. And as we detail a little here in the behind the scenes of this, not a smooth time. No, this so, is a bad, bad, unpleasant journey for most of it, it seems really. None of them would have seen what was going to happen. I guarantee yeah. you. I think I would be really self-medicating yeah. trying to get this thing together. So the movie we're talking about, let me get the, I just want to get the title right. Cause it's a, uh, yeah, it's a tough one to remember back to the future. Okay. And they are having a difficult time getting it set up. Everyone knows a certain actor plays the lead role, Marty McFly. You probably know this. This, I mean, the production of this movie is well documented. But yeah. Eric Stoltz was originally going to be poor buddy Marty McFly. Apparently, clashed with people because he brought a method acting style. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't react to people on set unless he was referred to as Marty McFly. Which, oh my God, what a can, f- can you imagine? I'm also just imagining him like playing the fucking. Uh, creep ass professor and rules of attraction and i'm like do you think he was method acting on that set as well <laughs> just every opportunity to raise his glasses yeah like what is your fucking method for marty mcfly like we we'll get to how we feel about this movie and the others but the, the character writing for marty mcfly is not necessarily super strong i don't know Can what you imagine that movie. fucking set like you got him method acting you've got crispin glover method acting yeah. like god damn he's like this isn't this is a much simpler fellas we don't yeah and our girl wendy joe over there is just like y'all suck at making movies yeah the then vi wachowski okay <laughs> this is uh Yes, you got a head out of it. Uh, I was going to, you know, let's just say it's Wendy Joe. She's back. And I think what, well, I guess it's not her final Zemeckis appearance, but it's her final Zemeckis role. Yep. 
as uh, Linda McFly. I think that's her name. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly, great scene with her and the kid from also from uh, uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand as his brother. Yep. Martin McClure. We love it. We love a loyal, successful filmmaker. So, you know, it's nice always to give your give your buds who were there from the start. Give them a little paycheck when you can. Absolutely. So they have all these people. They're trying to deal with these fucking loser method actors. (laughs) And like, you know, before that, they had problems with, well, what are we going to what's the time machine going to be? Is it going to be a refrigerator, which Spielberg makes a joke to, I think, and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Kind of you to call it a joke. Yeah, at this point, the joke's the... He yeah, references it. it, that's for sure. He references it, yes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I like how that was okay, but thought the Indiana Jones in a Haunted Mansion just wouldn't work. Did you read that excerpt from what was... Yes, yes it just made me sad. Yeah, yeah. Imagine. Yeah, imagine. But we can't. <laughs> or we can't, but... <laughs> Sorry, I'm still distracted thinking about. Did you see the video today of the women, the French actresses cutting their hair? Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking how brave that was. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stuff yesterday. So there's a lot going on in the world. <laughs> we got to really focus. So then and now, then and now, then and now. Yes. So Back to the Future. Um, yes, they they eventually land on. Well, we're gonna do a car. And I think it was Zemeckis who was like, let's do the DeLorean. And if people were paying attention to the last one, what a perfect choice to embody the Zemeckis-Gale partnership, which is a, a extremely shitty car with the, its coked out maker. I mean, how long did the DeLorean last? Like a couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you have that angle which for sure is meant to be underlined. Not to not to be slept on, that it's a fucking useless car. <laughs> yeah, a used car. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so eventually during production, they fire Eric Stoltz, they bring on, um, they bring on, uh, what's his fucking name? Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yeah, I forgot guy. for a second. Um, he worked so, out the family ties problem. Worked out the family ties problem. All right, I'm already bored talking about the history of this because it's yeah, like let's, everyone let's, knows this yeah. shit. Okay, so what yeah. you have is you have Back to the Future. And <laughs> I got to say, you know, rewatching Back to the Future, definitely sadder than I had ever thought of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it had more weight to it. Um, I think the thing that stood out the most was definitely his mom the Lorraine character because I you know you know the movie and as the movie starts and there's the great scene where they're sitting around watching um oh fuck uh Jackie Gleason on tv Jackie Gleason reruns and his dad's got the shitty peanut brittle (laughs) and the the mom's like walking up with her with her big tall glass of like Svedka and you remember that scene is like, oh, well, yeah, things aren't good. Mom's got a drinking problem. Dad's a fucking loser. But you immediately makes you think, knowing the movie, like, I wonder how she got this drinking problem. Yeah. I wonder what might have happened to her that didn't get changed mm-hmm. by the history and her attitude towards sex. 
And I think it's very, very plainly but hiddenly spelled out that she uh, was probably the victim of like a sexual assault, rape or something. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty dark when you stomach that. Like, Agreed. Um, you know, it made me like I, as I was watching it, because for a minute, as that started to run through my head, I was like, why am I thinking of Saturday Night Fever? Like, why does that keep coming back to my head? And that's why. Yeah. It, I mean, it's funny how much of a people like to make a big deal about like how taboo it was that like, oh, it's the mom wanting to hook up with the son. But it's like. what? Well, that's part like, two. Why she's drawn to him, I think, is because he at least again, maybe we're going too far, but this part of the heaviness this time, too, was that he was someone who even in just the brief interaction showed her any semblance of respect. That was a, a male in her life and wasn't just trying to fuck her or laugh at her or like you know violently push her or pull her yeah you know he was like he they were just they were allowed to exist and like he's weird you know he's acting weird obviously because it's his mom but i from what i gather that seems to be the first time she's been around a, a man who isn't trying to take something or right you know just just you know belittle at all times right and 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 that's why it also is so heavy i think the way that ends because you know like yeah we can laugh about the incest stuff and it's also funny this movie's funny too Yeah, but but that's why that scene also is so heavy when she kisses him finally and she's the one and that's why it's crucial and it's great it's great that that's right. how it culminates. well well people always you know because the the idea is like well wouldn't it be funny to find out that your mom was like really slutty or something and like yeah. you know i guess like yeah she's very forward she knows what she wants she's gonna get it she's got a little of that windy joe energy but <laughs> but the darker side that really knows it's like well what if you were thinking of what what if you didn't know that at some point your mom had been like the victim of yeah. like sexual assault. I mean, it's it's weird that that's like not the first place uh, people's brains go, but I guess it's Reagan's Merrick at this time. So maybe we're just not thinking of that because this time that was the most painfully clear thing, like right out the gate about the movie. Yeah. Because you're like, oh shit, well Biff problem. You know, it just adds a creepier dimension because it was like, well, it's probably Biff that did oh, it. for sure. George yeah. McFly probably had to like witness it. And now this guy's still coming around wrecking cars and shit. Well, and even how far it does still go before, as we go through the series and we'll try to do this in order, but as we go through the series and, you know, history has changed to make sure the parents meet, uh, yeah. how far it does still go with what Biff is doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, it's pretty, it's, it's very, it's very heavy. So very, very heavy. But yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in part two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can move on from that. But definitely the first thing that jumped off rewatching, especially mm-hmm. for something like Back to the Future, that's all we can grab at are little new revelations here and there. Yeah. And I um, do want to say, like, on that note, the I think the laziest and easiest thing I often hear people say when looking back at this movie now is like, oh, well, it's clearly a pro-Reagan movie, one. Like that it's very much, you know, a bootstraps movie and that's what they're changing with history and all of that. And of course, the, this one, no one's going to try to argue about. It just speaks to, I think, the TV roots of Zemeckis and Gale, the Libyan terrorist thing, just at being the inciting incident, right? Because they need, and that that's just true. There's no, I don't think there's any clever 
I don't think anything clever is going on there. I don't think. Well, it's I mean, good, if but... it is this pro-American movie, who gave those Libyan terrorists their bombs? Well, sure, but I, I, well, I was thinking about that this time, and I think it's a stretch to give it that much credit. But kind of more the Libyan thing, I think more to me just read as a throwaway classic. Like, grew up on serials. We need a villain, a, a contemporary villain. But the Reaganomics stuff, I think, is stupid and fucking lazy to say that this is a pro-Reagan movie. Yeah. Well, in part two, when he goes to the cafe 80s. Pretty clear. Yeah. In the Ayatollah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's such an insane moment. I forgot about that. And I was like. Oh, it's nuts. Yeah. But wait, we'll get there. We got to go over okay, okay, we'll okay. But, um, but anyway, just saying like the. Well, as we get to Roger Rabbit, we'll. <laughs> a very. He, I mean, he really nails the endings of these movies because, like, you know that just because, and I know Crispin Glover had a problem with this, that the ending of Back to the Future is, oh, well, they're rewarded by they move up the economic bracket. Yeah. And, well, that is the, that would be, the, like, the perceived American dream would be to move up the economic bracket. But what we realized, obviously, at the end of this movie is, no, that doesn't fix anything it's a temporary fix like all like pops of luxury and like all of the illusory reality of being surrounded by nice things you know it 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 it, it goes pretty quickly and i don't think that's a very happy ending especially if like you know the sequels but even at the end of the movie it's like he's like oh yeah i came to come get you but your kids suck and they really fuck you fuck up yep. so immediately end it's just like yeah that's all Yep. You know, it's a brief moment. It just starts like again. the 80s. It starts again. Yeah. It's the, it's the you know, if you if people want to Reagan stuff, it's stupid fucking trickle down shit where you're like, yeah. okay, sure, I see this thing. Maybe for me personally, it did, you know, it was a positive. But you look out the window and there's another person who like, well, god damn it, <laughs> starting again because it doesn't yeah. fix anything. And I think I even think... if they never made the sequels, this movie still plays not with a upbeat happy ending in my opinion yeah and i don't think it's this bullshit of like the 50s are a great time no i don't think still, it's so boring that people i think it's showing that the 50s have just as many problems as the 80s and that it's i mean it's just different like yeah. i mean if anything it's just a if we really want to take it that far i think it's again um <laughs> kind of what we were talking about last time it's a bit of a palindrome like shit's the same as it's always been. We got the same fucking problems. We're doing the same things. People are treating each other in the same shitty ways. What can we do to try to go fix it with this time machine? <laughs> Listen, like these bullies are just knocking Marty out, trying to put him in the back of a <laughs> great scene, though, where they call the <laughs> who are you calling Spook Pack? <laughs> like that's so funny. Just yeah, all those guys crazy. coming out of the car billowing with smoke. Yeah. Like we don't mess with no reefer heads. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What a great scene. And um, off that scene is probably the most famous scene, which I think has a really extends the lineage to one Forrest Gump. And we'll get to why with Forrest Gump, but okay. the Johnny B. Good scene mm-hmm. where Marty, because of not fate, but because of the blind luck of stumbling onto this time machine and getting back from the 50s, steals black music, yep. <laughs> much like Forrest Gump with the shrimping industry. And yeah, it's fun and everything, but it's like that's another people are really shutting their brains off if they think the thesis of that is not 
meant to like, call attention to it. Like that blows my mind too. And people are like, no, this movie gives credit to white people for what Chuck Berry did. You're like, okay, all right. If that's if that's what you saw, fine. Great. Not at all. Let's come at, yeah. let's, so surely at this point, if you're going on this journey with us, <laughs> with Zemeckis and Galen, we're not here to say they're perfect and they don't make mistakes, because we'll get into those too. But if you know these two writers at this point, dear God, I promise you they did not make a point to write that in as like some throwaway positive silly thing they definitely didn't in fact they they thought about cutting it at one point yeah yeah but this is a screenplay that if you go to film school you take a screenwriting course a good professor maybe a basic one but a good professor is going to point to back to the future this is a script that you can understand why this took two people four years i mean that has to be one of the hardest things to write and to have it work so efficiently and oh, it's, it's crazy. so yeah. well oiled. The ins and outs are unreal. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, I, I mean, I think Zemeckis is kind of the master of not a frame second wasted, yep. um, especially when we get to his Tales from the Crypt is the perfect oh. example of that. And I just think like, yeah, I mean, what, what are you going to do? You can't, how can you fucking hate this movie? This movie's it's great. It's fun. It no, makes it's you dangerous. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Back to the Future, number one, is good shit. It is good shit, for Just sure. Good shit. And it's so, yeah. And yeah, that it, opening. School, like fucking Sid Field, you'll read first uh, first quarter of that book, and then you'll study Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a great, uh, he does great expository openings, laying things out visually. I mean, yep. the opening is quite famous. Not fucking voiceover. It's great. Right. And it's his obsession with time, which yep. time gonna... and machines. Rube Goldberg really ramped up in this one, but time and cheap fucking machines that people can make at home. Yeah. I mean, this is cool because this is the first big Zemeckis move. Like this is, I mean, Romance in the Stone, we were talking about was was big. Like that was for sure a hit. Yeah. Not like any woman. This is the first time that he's starting with money. Yeah. yeah, like huge money and <clears throat> and coming out of the success of Rancing the Stone, uh, huge confidence. Right. And he's yeah. got uh, he's got a producer helping him yeah. this time. So old Stevie's yeah. back. Stevie's back in action. Well, he's like not really like because Gail produces it. I think this is when Gail becomes like a full on producer. But I think it's just oh, it's just Amblin. I think it just became an Amblin yeah, production. So you don't have like Spielberg like chilling on the set, like I don't think so. I don't think so. So okay, budget for 1985. The budget was 19 million. We know this is a huge hit. How much money did this make? Take a guess. Oh God, 300. Yeah, 388.8 mil. <laughs> That's a pretty good return. You did all right. Made your yeah. investors happy, I guess. Yeah, I suppose that Universal will be like, huh, okay, we'll take you. They'll say yes. And they did. And uh, Back to the Future, as we know, birthed two sequels, birthed a Universal ride, which I have been informed is no longer fucking there. Yep, it's gone. Zemeckis even directed that ride. Yep. What a sick world. (laughs) The Terminator rides apparently not there either. You got two. You had two filmmakers working on fucking dumb rides. 
Yeah, that's fun. Leave and we that. take them out because we got to have the minions experience. Yeah, and you got to have like the it Halloween thing or some shit. I don't know. There's a reason why we started this thing, people. <laughs> it's because they took <laughs> they took Zemeckis's right away. That's <laughs> it's the only reason. It's the only reason. <laughs> I was hoping to try to reclaim my childhood in a way that I know will never suffice, but will temporarily lift my spirits. And I can't even do that anymore. So what's left? Going right out that window. <laughs> oh, before we before we move on to what Zemeckis did between returning, yeah, I just wanted to shout out a detail that I had forgotten about where the Tannen family name comes from. So this is Biff, um, that you all know and love, as we've just talked about, is a much even darker character than they say in the movie, uh-huh. but. Um, there was a really dark character. Yes, there was an exec at Universal that the Bobs fucking despised and hated working with, and just thought he was the you know bane of movie making. And his name was Ned Tannen, which is why again it's clear there's always stuff going on with these two. They decided to name this monstrous character uh, after <laughs> Ned Tannen at Universal, and got that shit through. So you know. God, I just had to put that in there because it's so, it's, it's, it's important. It's important it. detail. It's fucking amazing. It. It's hilarious, especially again, how dark he really is. Well, it's, you know, it's, you know how there's like that often trad line because now being a horror fan has become extremely trad. Oh, yeah. And you're all responsible for it. Yep. Uh, not Will and I. We have, well, maybe Will a little, but me, yeah. I'm pure yeah. babe in the woods. <laughs> and, I, no, not Will. Will is trying to. Will's. I'm joking with Will. But well, I mean, you know, I do, in, inherently by proxy. I've. Just, I gotta. I can't. I can't. I can't uh, take all the all the weight off my back. But I do. Okay, the best a little I, bit. But you did it. Yes. But you all gotta chill out. Okay. We have. We're barely a week into October. I love them. You love them. <laughs> chill out. Your life is not being a horror movie fan. Like. So anyway, these I hope it is do better. Yeah, oh, do yeah, expand your fucking palate. What's- so anyway, it's these assholes that come out here and are like, "Do you ever think about how it's crazy that Freddy, like Freddy Krueger, is a, a he's like a child rapist? Isn't that crazy how we just kind of cartoonify him?" Okay, yeah. See, that's trad or that's tired. Here's the meme. That's tired. Here's wired. <laughs> Biff. <laughs> Biff having a cartoon character, you know, like the Back to the Future cartoon series, which I watched a lot growing up. Yep. Um, he's always the villain in each different time period. And it's like, you look at Biff now, it's pretty funny. Along with the Toxic Avenger, a very funny um, person to make a cartoon character. Yeah. Um, just wanted to point that out um, and take shots at uh, horror people. So... See you at the see you at the box of horrors, everyone. Not unless you got your tickets already, nerds. Sold That's right. Them. Oh yeah, you fucking broke losers. <laughs> no. That's why I always tell people when they get mad at me. I'm like, well, if it helps, if I wasn't hosting, I couldn't afford to come either. <laughs> right, right. And if people didn't just sneak me in, I wouldn't go either. So, <laughs> so what's up? Let's let's talk. Well, we're talking Spielberg and horror. So let's um. 
Let's sure. move to the next production that he does, which is one we were very, you know, we were really wanting to talk about this because most people have not seen this. Yep. So here's this is not us being cheeky. This is like people sleeping. People, people sleeping. sleeping. So here's the setup. Spielberg. He's at the height of his game. He decides to create a television show called Amazing Stories. And I must say, of all the like anthology shows that's ever been created that have great directors come on, is there a more like rocking list of filmmakers to get? I mean, you have, well, you have Peter Himes. Let's start at the bottom. Peter Himes doing one of the best. Chicago shout out. Chicago shout out. Doing one of the best episodes in the series. And it's like a, like a, giallo throwback yeah yeah no it's definitely we call that an american giallo certified absolutely you have joe dante who's in the newest addition to amblin and we'll eventually talk about uh doing a couple of episodes one that's really good about a creature that eats everything in the house yeah. on a rainy day <laughs> i like that one a lot i don't remember the other one he did i don't remember it either because i'm gonna well, well, it's like the ghosts that they move into the the porn actors move into their haunted house. Yeah. It yeah. Sounds better than it is, but there's some other ones, but the biggest, the next, oh, we got well, yeah, Bob Clark. And then there's Martin Scorsese who has probably the most famous. One. I know I'm getting there. You have Martin Scorsese doing the most famous one, probably. Right. Like sure. I feel like if anyone knows that show, they probably have heard of this one episode. Yeah. Then one of the sickest, and I don't think he ever did this again. Our boy, Clint, Clint with Harvey. Oh, oh, okay. I'm forgetting one. Well, that was the one I was excited about. It was Clint with Harvey Keitel. Oh, it's fucking incredible. It's that episode's good. It's very it's different than the rest of the series, which are kind of funny. That one's like heartfelt, but well, it's like when Clint did the the blue series with Scorsese years later. Oh yeah. That is very different and a, a little bit broken, but it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who are you thinking of? Oh, dude, Paul Bartel, man, with Griffin Gunn, Secret Cinema. That's my episode. Forgot about that one. Forgot that about that one. one. I mean, that's a good Paul, one. Paul Bartel always. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. So this show is heavy. Well, we can keep going. That's we, what yeah, you're right. I think Bob Clark's in there. On this if we, if yeah, we we're not going to do We're stuff. not talking about the show Amazing Stories. <laughs> um, but they got a lot of amazing stories. And, and blew a lot of Amblin money really fast. Very Huge fast. Budgets for these mini movies. <laughs> I think it lasted two seasons and then it was gone. Yep. But our boy, Robert Zemeckis, did one, as you were probably assuming we were going to say. Uh, it's uh, called Go to the Head of the Class. And just a brief, <laughs> it involves a kid who is kind of being taken advantage by his girlfriend and he's got this like, He's just kind of a loser, and he doesn't like his teacher, played by Christopher Lloyd. And disembodied get- mother, who we never yes. see because he padlocks his room shut and only comes and goes through the window. And he calls him on his skeleton hand phone in the morning to wake him up because he's always late for school. He's always late <laughs> in a very Marty McFly manner. I mean, it has the pan across the room. I'm pretty sure this is maybe a dig at Eric Stoltz, the Eric Stoltz version of Marty McFly. I think so. Even though, even though Zemeckis has a quote saying like that was, you know, one of the hardest meetings ever had firing Eric Stoltz because he like broke his heart. I think also he's not without uh, levity to how funny it was that someone thought they should method act their way through Marty McFly. 
yeah this if you want to know what eric stoltz is probably like it's probably like this character in this movie so anyway he wants to get back it's actually just his trailer yeah right so you want they want he wants to get back at his teacher so they decide to do some like magic and doesn't go well and the teacher's uh he's like his kochak episode he's got a, a disembodied head carrying around body with no head yeah whatever it's Christopher Lloyd's slaying, slaying, having an absolute blast. Oh, and also the curse comes from a, a of course, a, you know, a record. All the kids like, um, yeah, blood backwards. Yeah, blood sausage. Yeah, which, <laughs> if you think he's just making a fun movie for the show without any of his satirical uh, backing. Let me remind you of the satanic panic happening at this time. And I think this very much ties into shit like um, uh, 1941 and I Want to Hold Your Hand with getting into cultural hysteria that is based off of really nothing to be afraid of. And it's not like the most, you know, searing like depiction of that but he's having a little fun with just like oh yeah yeah you can just pick up a record by blood sausage and you can do dark incantation (laughs) Um, i got a shout out to my dude mick garris wrote this one right who's also who's also um very good at you know putting in shit like that Mm -hmm. um and you know often doesn't quite go far enough with it <laughs> um but well, they had 40 minutes i think yeah. spielberg the gave combination them, of them is really good because they both like they both like you know smart smart horror comedy so right and they they definitely like this is one of the longer episodes i think it's uh like i think they're mostly like 20 minutes um but this one's like 40 yeah. minutes so yeah i mean it's it's a harder to find thing than you might think but you also, we, I really recommend anyone trying to track this down. Well, we can give it to you if you well, really you can, want. You can, I think you can rent them like episode by episode on like fucking Amazon or something. Oh, okay. But still, I'm pretty sure it's still just the shitty version. So, you know, shoot us a message instead and we'll send you the whole file of the whole series. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's really a fun middle ground in this period of Zemeckis because it's like. Cool. It's so much fun. And like, it's great because you can tell him and Christopher Lloyd too are just like, we're having, we had a fucking blast. Yeah. Back to the future together. Like, what are you doing Saturday? I'm going <laughs> to show you. you. know, he's like, I got this show. Stevie's paying for it for some reason. You know, like, come on by. We've got that. We already made a mold of your head from Back to the Future we didn't use. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love the mold. Oh, it's so good. If you want to see awesome. As oh, always, the, with Zemeckis, the, the effects were awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean it makes you makes you miss stuff like this. I mean, it just makes me think of that like after school Halloween special. That yeah. so this is a good time to watch this, people. It's uh I think it was the Halloween episode. I think so. Yeah. I think they released it around Halloween, yeah. And there's um, just one line along with the satanic panic that Zemeckis also loves to poke fun at throughout his career, but he loves to make fun of um sex panickers too. Um yeah. Especially yeah. when it comes to, you know, burgeoning sexuality amongst young people. And there's an amazing moment where uh, Christopher Lloyd bellows, sex made you do it, Mr. Brand. 
<laughs> Which it is. I mean, this this I mean, kid's, not wrong. Like, <laughs> kid's obsessed with this person who may or may not be his girlfriend, or he just has like a crush yeah. on him. Well, I think that's part of why it's so funny and also why it's him and McGarris again. It makes sense because oh. his tech stuff is always curious too. And I think you're horny, of, Mr. Brand. Yeah. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like even Marty McFly. They never even take it as far as like him trying to get laid. Like it's not even that much. They just want to be in the same space with this woman. And then if they can get a kiss, hell yeah. <laughs> he's too nervous to try and ask. Yeah, something. like I don't, it's not even, yeah. you know, there's no like, he's not trying to get to home base, as they say. He is totally fine with just going up to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. What? As we're talking, we have an update about something that, Robert Zemeckis might attach himself to as a filmmaker. Oh shit! Are we gonna do it right now? It's already breaking, done. Breaking it's news. Breaking. Well, everyone's seen what's going. The internet's breaking because uh, the new Mario, his voice okay. is not whopped out like it should be. <laughs> and uh, anyway, there's a Mario movie coming out. I guess they're already thinking of the sequels. Paper Mario, Zemeckis possibly attached to direct. You don't get this too much. John Zemeckis Google alerts went out. Okay, so it's in a very, very early planning. I'm being sent this idea from a trusted source. This is not actually broken onto the to news yet. But oh, shit. Have, oh, it really is breaking. This is breaking okay. news. I have a I have a I can't name them, but I do have a plan. And they say they are saying this is it legit real. Holy shit. All right. Yeah. No, let's Google. put that in the description of this episode so people notice. holy shit wow that sounds like a joke we would make up too but it does it's not okay well i guess right. we'll pack that later <laughs> do you well, think they're gonna reshoot this mario or like do the voice again like they did with sonic yes also they took away his dumper yep if you yeah. can't shit fireballs, I'm not here for it. So yeah, I mean, I I was I was shitting fireballs this morning. I was like, no. <laughs> so I was late on my laundry because I was like, oh fuck, I gotta start laundry before the show. No, because you shit the bed. <laughs> I w- oh, I wish I want to be the person who shits the bed. Like, why? Be- I don't know, because then I could get an excuse to have a diaper. <laughs> And then I could wear the diaper in bed and I would never have to get up in the middle of the night. Well, new Patreon uh, level of donation. You get John's OnlyFans access of just him and diapers doing stuff, playing video Uh, games while he poops, cooking cooking nice meals, making fancy fancy cocktails and shit while he poops. Yeah. Give me some pampers, please. (laughs) Let's move into the next stage of my life. (laughs) Um, well, what, what what was up for Zemeckis in the next stage of his life after Amazing Story? Yeah, well, he tries his hand at television. It goes well. He's still Mr. Big Shot. So sure. what, what do you want to do next is the next question. So he sets his sights on a book called Who Censored Roger Rabbit? Hmm. And he also has to call in favors big time favors this time from his boy Spielberg. Yep. So 
they need Spielberg to help wrangle the rights to all of these characters that belong to Disney and Warner Brothers. And I think they tried to get stuff like Tom and Jerry. They couldn't get Tom and Jerry. Yeah. They got droopy, though. They did, yeah. Which was my favorite part growing up. I mean, I, that movie um, made me obsessed with Droopy. I mean, Droopy's... I don't trust anyone who doesn't love Droopy. Droopy's the best. Of all the <laughs> Hannah... Bar- Hannah... Or, yeah. or the Tex Hannah Avery. Wasn't there Tex Avery? Oh, wait, that's... Yeah, I get him crossed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's... Yep. Yeah, that's the that's the shit. I mean, the Tex Avery cartoons rock. Yeah. I think there's even well, a well, little... Too. You know, there's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a slight reference to, uh, I think... My favorite of all those cartoons, Who Killed Who? Do you remember that one about the, where it's like a murder mystery and it like, it starts with like a reading of this person's going to die. And then the, that, no. oh my God, you have to watch Who Killed Who? It was actually like scary as a kid. I remember it It came on a VHS of Tex Avery cartoons along with Swing Shift Cinderella, which I mean, yeah, I've made many references to my <laughs> role model, the wolf. <laughs> and um, there's some other really good ones on it. But I, I just remember uh, Who Killed Who making quite the impact on my life. And there's right. you get a nice reference to it when uh, the gun comes through the window, that overly long gun when it kills oh. our Cameroon. Yes. So this dang rabbit and they need all these characters for the movie takes a long time, but they get it together. And the movie is who framed Roger rabbit. Mm. And again, you know, this one, how you better? You not? Yeah. You better. It's like droopy. If you don't, if you don't like Roger rabbit, I don't know what to do with you. Absolutely. This movie truly appreciates over time. Like none other. Oh, yeah. Um, and I referenced, I think it's maybe the darkest he would get maybe. It's up there. Yeah, definitely up there. And it's, yeah, another alcoholic character. Brutal alcoholics too. He really like, he yeah. kind of, I don't, I don't really know. He nails in on addiction and alcoholism. He does. I don't know about his parents. I haven't been able to find really anything, but it had to be someone close to him because the way his addiction characters act is so turned to 11. It's clearly on his mind. So who framed Roger Rabbit? I don't think this movie would probably get made today. And if it did, it would be Ready Player One, which. Which even though you and you and Pinkerton turned me around on that movie, to be sure. But I will say, um, rewatching this then pulled it back again a little bit on Ready Player One. Well, yeah, like, OK, it's and I still appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. But this is just the the pinnacle the master class of an idea like that are you telling me that that kid is not as good of an actor as bob hoskins <laughs> shocker i know wait do you know i didn't know this do you know who almost there's a ton of people who there's a lot of people that were going to be in but do you know the big one that we got to bring up? i think i remember thinking <laughs> i'm going to tell will this but i forgot <laughs> it's going to be the same one i know it my favorite man in the zemeckis universe Eddie fucking Deason almost yes. played that character, which would have absolutely ruined this movie, but I would love to see that cut. Can <laughs> you imagine? Like going from the understated world of Bob Hoskins 
two Eddie D's in. Yeah, my brother killed himself. Yeah. <laughs> you killed my tune. Ah! <laughs> you dropped a you dropped a shave on my brother's head. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> you know, Eddie D's and stars in fucking <laughs> Oh, I was just thinking, I was just going backwards in Bob Hoskins, like, you know, incredible career and putting Eddie Deason in all, <laughs> or like in fucking Mona Lisa. I was oh. imagining Eddie Deason. <laughs> yeah, well, you can imagine, folks, what that could have been. Um, thankfully, they went with Bob Hoskins. Yeah, right choice. Yeah, he works very well for this movie. Oh, uh, perfect. Because it yeah. needs a real anchor. Like, it really, truly needs a real like seasoned anchor of an actor because i was looking at the list of all the people who were like potentially doing it and i honestly don't think it would have landed nearly as well without no and like a delorean this movie comes out it is easy to just completely blow by with this one like it's it's so dazzling to look at it's a big deal for the time that these i mean now we take that for granted but like that was a big deal that all these you know, characters and IP, you know, intelligent properties coming into this shit and like mixing with each other. And, um, you know, it's a huge hit. Um, but, you know, you, you pull back from it and you think about it as an adult and it's like, yeah, the movie is very much without ever having to say it with dialogue, showing you that, Animated characters are lower class citizens who can only hold service jobs, who can only work at crappy nightclubs, clearly for like, what he says, like peanuts. There's the joke, like Dumbo works for peanuts and they love that. And that line lets you know, like, all right, so in this world, these these cartoon characters are now stand-ins for minority groups. And... I mean, you know, that's pretty bold. Like, especially that there's not some monologue by a character, like, trying to defend them, which you'd have nowadays. Yeah. Like, he slips into these characters are working these roles, much like in life when someone walks past a black or brown person, like, doing something for them, and it just doesn't register because that's, that's life. That's how you've perceived it. Uh, So... There's that angle going on in it. Uh, we mentioned the rampant alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, again, continuing as always in Zemeckis, the way most of the male characters act. And yeah. they do make jokes. And again, they make jokes like one of the weasels when he reaches in, you know, like they say they need to pat down Jessica Rabbit. And of course, the first thing he does is just put his hand down her cleavage. But there's literally a, you know, a trap down there a bear trap <laughs> um but it's but it and the i don't know zemeckis is so good and so interested in that kind of comedy yeah like yes it's fucking hilarious and it plays for a laugh but everything bites and everything's harsh um and also the i was excited to this is the movie that actually reading about this movie like when i got obsessed with it because it's seen as a kid of course i wasn't allowed to watch it because of the sex stuff mm. but yeah, pretty, pretty hot and oh, yeah. very creepy too. I mean, the movie oh, is absolutely. I mean, when they kill the when Doom puts the fucking animated shoe in the dip. Oh, it's brutal. No, it's 
this time it like made me like physically feel upset. Yeah, no, it really hurts. It really hurts. It's like, like, you know what? Oh. Steve, you should have taken note. There's there's your opening for Saving Private Ryan <laughs> right there. Yeah, but no, no, for yeah, real. It's so, it's so, like, it's true. It's now one of the <laughs> toughest deaths, you know, that I know of in a movie. Um, well, this will be fun. We might have a cameo from my landlord who has to shut the water off because the, the douchebag below me says it's dripping. Well, we keep it running. Keep it running. <laughs> Ask him what he thinks, whatever topic. Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. He's not getting um, a response right now. No. This but the, what I was going to say, the, the thing this movie taught me about that I didn't know about, and I learned a lot more about when I moved to Los Angeles, but when I got obsessed with this movie in high school, um, that's where I learned about the uh, Pacific Electric Railway and Los Angeles previously having one of literally the best in the world public transit systems, in the whole fucking world, not just the country, in the world, famously so, and the car and tire companies working to put them under and you know destroy all that public transit which let me fucking tell you as someone oh as someone who had to leave two and a half hours early for work to make it six miles by one and a half buses and usually just walked instead (laughs) because it's still such a brutal public transit system buses and trains alike but this movie is goes so hard on that and it's great i love they put that in and yeah i didn't you know i never eventually i would have i'm sure but I sure as shit didn't know about that as a kid. And, you know, I always assume yeah. Los Angeles was always just a car smog hellscape, you know. And when you go there, like all the abandoned tracks that still exist <laughs> everywhere, it's fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, it seems this guy does kind of hate automobiles a little bit. I mean, he hates I think he hates the industry and I think he loves the machines. Yeah. Uh, I think he he hates what it became and, you know, how it's delivered and all that. But I think he's obsessed with what people can do um, trying to figure shit out, you know. Yeah, and and I think that ending, we'll just skip to the end because you've seen this. The ending, he's calling me right now. You can answer. Sorry, I no, I'm pod podcasting. <laughs> That's why you don't be like me, dude. I have no notifications on on my phone ever. Yeah, what if I'm busy? What if I'm doing something else? Yeah, pick up. <laughs> Could be knee deep, you know. <laughs> so the ending of the movie is the thing that impacted me the most this time, because as Will was saying about what was actually going on in California at the time which they adapt into the story and make it a very big point of the story because the end of the movie is Christopher Lloyd. His whole plan is, yeah, we're, we're buying up all the, the public transportation. We're getting rid of it and we're creating highways, highways, much like Godard is obsessed with gas stations, these weird, uh, like um purgatorial stations in the middle of nowhere to help you know keep your automobile moving that's all christopher lloyd can think of he just wants gas stations cheap motels cheap restaurants uh and at the end of the movie they defeat christopher lloyd but like we all know what happens (laughs) it's very plain that the movie is saying Look at this, like, 
dumb, literal sunshine singing trees, you know, the sun's dancing. We're, we're walking off into this comical cartoon sunset. And that's the only way to capture the crushingly sad reality. Not only does that happen to America, all these characters that we're seeing, they literally just become IP. They don't, there's not like another pop for these characters. The sad, really kind of sad scene with Betty Boop. It's like, yeah, this is a fucking oh, so sad. But it's kind of sad. And like how big of a deal she was. Right. Really? And she, yeah. yeah. And all she can do is kind of do her same routine to try and. This fucking cigarette girl. She's a yeah. cigarette girl. Like in, the, in this world. Yeah. And you see all these characters and it's like, okay, so the Looney Tunes, well, they're going to be subjected to such hell. You know, you're going to have your Space Jam. You're going to get one bright moment with Looney Tunes back in action, but that even was in a fraught production. Like, that's not even something to... That's a, that's a, that is an absolute impossibility that that even happened. So that yeah. It's a win, but it's a muffled cry of a win. Yeah. And... It's more of a slow suicide than a win. <laughs> right. These, these beloved Disney characters are now just going to get locked into that studio's copyright vault and to only be regurgitated up ever so often. And this is now, the, the, this marks the first time that uh, uh, Zemeckis gives life to the wooden boy known as Pinocchio. Yep. Which, True. gotta say, I did enjoy. I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot. He actually gives Pinocchio lines. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um. And return. Oh, I got it to the like. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I'm just saying. Well, maybe Zemeckis is not done poking his fun at intellectual property. Never. And, and maybe, maybe, Pinocchio has a little bit more to say than you fucking idiots on the internet are giving it credit for. This is a pile on. It's not a perfect movie. It's not even one of his best. <laughs> but I'm still saving. You know, I haven't watched it. I know. There's something there, and I, I'm actually excited to rewatch it because I'm like. I, all right, I, 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 it's a pile on, and yeah, everyone chill out. So um, I was just yeah. gonna say, what I love too in this watch is the the highway stuff with Christopher Lloyd and his obsession, but the thing also that Zemeckis doesn't miss, um, is that a big part of this plot is that the tunes are all forced into their own town, their own yeah. part of town, which is yep. literally through a tunnel. Yep on the other side of a tunnel and his goal also the the shoe death we talked about that's so brutal is he literally came up with a formula that can kill them all all at once after they've all been forced into you know the other side of town if you will um and so it's pretty amazing i think that it's all tied together which it did which it was you know the ghettoization of los angeles and every other city but as these highway things happened you know, cities uh, very happily pushed minorities, you know, out into different neighborhoods, uh, often all pushed together, uh, made an effort to do so. At least, you know, Chicago still being one of the most segregated cities, fucking country. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah. you know, they don't miss that. Um, and it's pretty amazing that that is in one of the biggest pop culture entertainment movies of all time. And not like hidden. This is not like we're not digging <laughs> to, yeah. find, to find either of these things. This well, is, that's the most right. obvious one, right? Yeah. On the, but yeah. it does it's get missed. What the movie's about, you know? Right. It gets missed. And, it's, what's tied, the fact that it's tied with the highway stuff, like that's what makes it so 
special, I think. And people are scared to go to Toontown. Yes, terrified. And they think, and they, oh, the things they say about it won't spoil them all, but it's, those aren't, those weren't improvisational lines. I was no. no, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, they do a good job of making that known, but not overselling it. So, okay, this one wasn't Bob Gale or right. Robert Megas who wrote this. This is Peter Seaman and Jeffrey, what is that? I write it down. Price. Peter Seaman. Peter Seaman, yep. Yes, indeed. Spelled like on the water, but you know, we'll erase that A for fun. What an unfortunate name. Yeah, Peter Seaman. Peter Seaman. <laughs> yeah. But those two cats wrote this. The only other thing they've written that I that I know of is Trenchcoat, which is kind of an awesome movie too. Um in Trenchcoat. Look that up. Okay. Well, as, but they but it, things but switched it, here. It's important to note that in this journey, things have switched here. Um, a little bit, and uh, also that just to highlight how on top of the world Zemeckis was, the only reason we have this movie as we have it is he had final cut guaranteed because of Steven Spielberg, yep. and the studio was not stoked, because they were like, this is a crazy movie. <laughs> yeah, we're risking a lot with this shit. Yes, like, they were like, we want to change this, and he was like, nope, it's already in there, so here we go. That is, honestly, that is like truly amazing, because like... Oh, yeah. This movie was pretty like lauded across the board, um, which is great as it should be. Yeah, I mean, this really is kind of the the last, the first and only attempt to do something like this. Because think about what it bursts. I mean, you got uh, you got Cool World after that. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! You have Cool World. You have stuff. You have just shit like for if we're talking about like the era that it comes from and the. I was just talking about this with someone in the early 90s. There was a made-for-TV movie that was on VHS that the Bushes signed off on, and it was called Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. Oh, holy shit. I forgot about that. When all these cartoon characters try to stop this kid from smoking weed. And even as a kid, honestly, I remember, like, the one scene where he smokes weed, he's walking around, and then suddenly, like... Michelangelo and Bugs Bunny appear. It's like, well, <laughs> sign my ass up. Some of that. Wait, excuse me. If I do this big person drug, I can hang out with the fucking Ninja Turtles. Okay. Are you telling me Alf will come chill with me? <laughs> yeah, man. I can chill with Alf and the Chipmunks. <laughs> oh, we got to show that. That's awesome. I think I was telling a lot of the uh, employees at the music box about this. Yeah, we'll work. for everybody. Yeah, so you know, it, it be kind of becomes this like, oh yeah, well, I guess like combining a bunch of popular characters into something could uh, could make money. It's yeah. not like this goes crazy, but it definitely starts. Uh, I think kind of uh, studios thinking, well, let's what if we just like do a blender of yeah. all these things? But well, even just the animation live action, also. Yeah. That's probably we're headed, more to, we're headed to the fucking page master pretty quick. Right. <laughs> that movie right. still rips, by the way. I got nothing to cool as hell. <laughs> um, so anyway, so Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Another hit. Another critical mm-hmm. and box office hit. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look up the box office, it's huge. So we you know, our dude's on a fucking roll right now. Yeah. They are already telling him now. This is a couple years, this is like four years after six years after the original back to the future but 
now people are talking about we need sequels let's get some sequels going all right so he's thinking about sequels he's like well i guess i gotta do something i gotta keep following this up before he does that he takes a delightful perfect little trip back to television and at this time there's a show on hbo called tales from the crypt tales from the crypt was a huge success like gigantic success it's iconic like that every time i would click over to hbo and see that starting oh my god oh you know there's a great fucking night well, I knew I had to go down to the basement TV. Yeah. Because if I got caught watching Tales from the Crypt. Well, I remember my dad loving that show so much that eventually he let me watch it with him because he realized, like, oh, yeah, it's not that bad. Like, no. you know, and it's got, it's pretty humorous. Like, every episode, I think, has like a humorous. For the most part, yeah. There's <laughs> always something to laugh at. <laughs> something to a fault, possibly. Like when, when old Toby... Oh, wait, I'm thinking... Oh, shit, we forgot Toby Ho- Hooper does uh, amazing stories. That's Toby Hooper, yes, he does. Terrible. Uh, yeah. Where it has Weird Al as a, yeah. a lettuce-headed alien. Yeah. You know anyway. what I will say, though? It's great pre-show material. So <laughs> you will see that come up at some point, and we won't, we won't crucify old Tobes for that mistake because he did give us some visuals that cannot be unseen. <laughs> yeah, no. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, like, it's like the fucking cabbage head and kids in the hall. That's what I always think. Right. <laughs> Toby was not getting the bag at this point, but his nose was in the bag. Yeah. It had been for a, over a decade. Yeah, and I really <laughs> want to see that culminate. It's in that one. That's uh, what happens when gray matter is literally dripping out of your skull. <laughs> and he doesn't really get any better when he does his episode for tales from the crypt and i'm going to be controversial here we can fight about that i thought we got to do that okay but i do think that like for tales from the crypt most of what you're seeing when they bring a director in who's a notable director they're all pretty okay like okay to just kind of like like there's nothing that i would say is a complete is a real standout and we're gonna there's a couple there's a couple and there's some other we're gonna talk about one zemeckis short in particular now there's two other ones but i don't think they're that great they they we're gonna we gotta fight fight on that okay well he makes yellow before we gotta get into it we gotta background this well that's not tales from the crypt well, yeah, so that was Two-Fisted Tales, the other yeah. EC comic that they tried to turn a show into. That didn't work. Most people I've talked to don't know about this show. Right. And so it's so William Sadler. I don't think it ever aired. It just it did. It aired once. Oh, okay. Exactly once. It's same as um, like fucking Hotel Room, the David Lynch. Yeah. It aired once as a movie where like the episodes were all cut together mm-hmm. as a feature film. And it did so horribly, um, which I'm not shocked because so instead of the Crypt Keeper here, and the whole goal was that because the EC comics, of course, there's lots of horror stuff, but there are also lots of amazing Western and war ones that are also horror leaning a lot of times, but more in that kind of like action adventure style. 
the best of the group, I think, is definitely Zemeckis's, um, well, which is yeah. not great. I don't think it's great at all, but for a TV show, to put this one third is also why this didn't go anywhere, because the third one, right, you you would suggest you're, like, saving best for last. Right. <laughs> and so the, the plot. The thesis, Jesus Christ. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, just the, the quickest thing is it's just a... Uh... It's Michael Douglas in the trenches in World War One, and his own son, or no, it's Kirk Douglas, right? Kirk Douglas. And then, but not Michael Douglas plays his son. No. It's his other son, right? Or his grandson. It's the, who, it's the one who looks like Bradley Cooper, but isn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I won't spoil it, but it's, I just really think it's worth watching, and I'm worried no one's going to. We, what we come around to is that uh, much in a tale from the crypt style, what we learn is that this is a tale about uh, a really fucked up human's obsession with not having someone think that their spawn is a coward. And they yep. will do anything to make sure that nobody thinks the, the person they birthed is a coward. Yes. Now, so. it is better than I, I'm giving a credit for. I, like, it is good. It's not it's great. Good. I'm not trying to do that, but it's just you know I have the Zemeckis Tales from the Crypt DVD, so when you got to put that out of your head. I know. I'm just saying why I'm dismissing it because of the three. Well, sure. Well, it's definitely not the worst. Okay, so if you yes, yellow carries through. I mean, who's someone else that doesn't like to be called yellow? Marty McFly. Yes, it's a big it's a big thing in his his oeuvre. Yeah, it might actually really pop up again deeper in uh, Forrest Gump. But, um, yeah, so it is important. It is good. I shouldn't have said it's not good. Yeah. Uh, watch all three. None of them, mercifully, the first one's like barely 20 minutes. Second one's barely 30. Yellow's 40. So it's a quick it's a quick journey. Yeah. The other one is pretty whatever, but it's definitely his obsession starting to build with technology and outfitting characters from the past into a contemporary setting i think he's very interested it's called you murderer about a person who gets reconstructive surgery and looks like humphrey bogart yeah. and it's told within the lady of the lake sort of not late lady from the lake which one's arturian of the lake yeah of the lake <laughs> uh yeah. robert montgomery noir yeah it's I think it's like, I can see why he was into doing this because he loves technology. And I think he just thought, yep. here's a fun way to play around. Yep. Do you have any quick positive thoughts on that one? I'll be, I'll be good. I'll just say, based on what John said, also check that out. Okay. It's not, <laughs> you should not check it out. But Worth checking out. Unfortunately, all this just pales in such comparison, as do most television show episodes. His Tales from the Crypt, where Zemeckis updates um, the story that uh, is one of the earliest of the Tales from the Crypt comic series. It was featured in the omnibus film uh, directed by Freddie Francis. Um, and that's about 10 minutes in that. The story of uh, the woman who murders her husband on Christmas Eve. And as she's trying to do something to hide the body, uh, a escape maniac breaks out of a local asylum and is killing people and dons a Santa Claus suit. 
And as she's trying to deal with her dead husband, so the Santa dressed escape maniac finds their way to their house. And listen, the Freddie Francis one, very scary, very effective. No one's going to deny that. However, how how fucking ever. However, our boy decides to take that story, double its length, and I mean, make his own thing. I mean, it's pretty funny and it's pretty scary and it is pretty amazing to watch. So, Mary Ellen Trainer. So good. It's perfect. I really mean that this is. There is not a second, a millisecond, a frame wasted in this thing. You want to know how to put together a movie that is tight, tense, funny, um, you know, just paced amazingly um, and set in one setting. Look no further than all that too. The strongest opening. Good God. Oh my God. So. Yeah, it opens with, in the original, yes, the woman kills her husband. In this one, she kills her husband, and the the fireplace poker gets stuck in his head, and she has to comically rip it from his head. Uh, It's played by Mary Ellen Trainer, who was uh, Zemeckis' wife at the time, so I'm sure he's having a lot of fun of a story where the wife kills her husband, who's kind of an asshole to her, which is different. I mean, they don't make a big thing of it but in the in the first I mean, one it's, it's very clear within the like 15 seconds before she kills him that he's a fucking yeah. dick <laughs> yeah right right and in the, the other one it's much the older one it's colder because you don't know why she's doing it yes. for money but it's you know more ambiguous and this one you can tell that this guy has got to be a whiny piece of shit yeah so and he's not the real dad he's the stepdad that's right <laughs> so he's doing all these I'm things just thinking about <laughs> Yeah, so he's changing these elements a little bit. And um, so she kills him. The daughter's like, oh, is Santa coming? And maybe we'll avoid the rest of the plot. But that's not like we can't spoil it because it's so fucking good if you have not watched it. But this is also just a lesson in what one of the things that Magus is great at and why I think we also both wish we did get more sometimes of his horror or exploitation-leaning stuff, which we do, we'll talk about. But it's a masterclass in the macabre as well, like truly what macabre means. (laughs) And not, like, without having to be fucking ironic, without having to be, like, self-referential, like, truly just old-school macabre humor. It's just perfect. Well, and perfect. And what he adds with his screenwriting abilities to this already-told story and an often told one, the escape maniac getting to the lone woman in the house and, you know, but he's able to ratchet it up to such a level of suspense because he's, the story itself is complicated, but he decides to make more complications happen to this character throughout it so that the movie is, it doesn't have a second to just breathe. And I mean that in a good way, not in a way. He loves. He's a maximalist filmmaker, to be it's sure. It's going. It's going. She's losing key. Like, it's it's amazing. But <laughs> I, I truly, not when we say there is not a second wasted when you watch this thing. And um, I think credit to also the dude that wrote it, Boy Fred Decker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And Fred Decker wrote because, it. like, yes, Monster Squad, Monster Squad, whatever. With Mary Ellen Trainer. Yes. Great time. But, the the most important always for me in Fred Deckerland, Night of the Creeps, 
which yeah. is also how you do this for 90 minutes without wasting any time. Cause he truly loved those, those movies, those old horror films, EC comics. Sure. He grew up on the same thing where it's just tight. Like don't fuck around. Don't waste any time. You're not like, you know, masturbatorily like showing everyone how you make movies. We're here to do something. And him and Zemeckis together. Good God. I mean, <laughs> not only, I mean, he comes pretty close to like, standing side by side with something like the original black christmas in terms of like horror christmas stuff and like that movie he knows to suffuse it with just in this case an overwhelmingly amount of christmas iconography which you need i kind of hate when a movie's supposed to be like a christmas thing and there's just like nothing like there's nothing that because you, you add all those joyful moments of the holidays when you get to this when you're surrounded by that and story it's suffocating because it's like the horror of what's happening with amongst these things that we attach to childhood um and so forth they take just take on a different meaning and he he does a really good job of utilizing that um because yeah, like, he's just funny. not a minimalist like he does he's not interested in the way he tells stories is not through removing things I think it's through adding things. And it's not a creepy Santa. It's a comically, but still creepy Santa. I mean, just uh, Larry Drake, who everyone knows from the Dark Man series. Uh, uh, (laughs) The pinnacle of film. The pinnacle of film. He, uh, yeah, he plays the killer (laughs) Santa. Anyway, I think we should move off of that one because I encourage every whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, this is a this is the like the like the holidays the gift that keeps on giving so you'll if you haven't if no one's seen that that's probably going to be the most eye-opening uh yeah. like discovery and also i think this is really setting the stage for a movie we're going to get to after these sequels so we'll come back to that really? yeah. so he's, yeah. he's gone back to television he had a little fun there oh Will, <laughs> Will has to pee. So, Ooh. yeah, we're just going. This is the email hour. Uh, I get to see what Cinephile is planning to write about. Not one of these losers has the balls to review Liar, Liar, and Naked together. <laughs> and, and, and Ben's been telling people in there, shout out Ben, to have them like I, if you're going to review these please review them as yep. a pair this is what i mean film criticism's dead you all are sissies so i don't <laughs> write for you anymore <laughs> love you ben and cat <laughs> um and on so, that note so on that note what's old bobby up to in his career bobby. after he after he does uh the greatest short film ever made <laughs> yes the greatest short film ever made is is definitely up there we'll get to another filmmaker on another show as maybe the other greatest short ever made hmm. Hmm. <laughs> but uh back to the future 2 has now come along so they are um they're working their ass off to get this sequel off the ground uh i know that gail wrote most of it right because well, apparently this is a big thing this is the first time as far as I'm aware, anything they've ever worked on, Zemeckis does not write the screenplay. They did the story together. Right. 
but the screenplay is only Bob Gale. And I'm not trying to be mean here, but there are some people, I would put myself in this camp, who should never create art solo. <laughs> and for my feeling on how, not that there aren't still things, because there's lots to be had here and lots to be dug into, but for me, within five minutes, good God, you can tell that this is not written passionately with like love and lust to make it and make movies by the Bobs we fell in love with. You can tell this is not that very quickly. Yeah, I know that they were upset that they had ended the original with Jennifer being go, going on the, the time machine with because they didn't know what to do with that character. So now they were stuck having to work her into it. I mean, they kind of they quickly dispose of her character yeah. in the narrative, which is like knowing that that it was what was going on. It better explains because yeah. if you think you're watching this movie. You think that it's going to be Marty and her and old Doc Brown. But it isn't. They quickly, they quickly, uh, like, like give her something that makes her fall asleep. They did. They ditch her in an alleyway. We're on a dumpster, essentially. Well, it's it, not. It's like stacks of square trash because we're in the future. But <laughs> wow. Well, it was shocking watching it again. I'm like, it is they're leaving her in the dumpster? She's drugged and left on a dumpster in the middle of the day. Not that there's any good time. Hey, dates of mine. You can you can relate, but like, I mean, <laughs> good, good good work. <laughs> hey, Olivia taught me this, so is that what Olivia did to you? Yeah, yeah, I'm not letting this die. She will pay for her crimes. But little, little Johnny D used to wake up on dumpsters all the time in 1985. <laughs> after Olivia stick all over my mouth. Like, what happened? So. <laughs> dog all around my neck but <laughs> yeah so they, they they leave jennifer in the dump they uh there's a little there's another little jaws joke a really bad one that also that also really set things off with a bad taste in my mouth because yep. this is the one that's been the longest i revisit since i revisited because this is also the only one even as a kid i did not like yeah i mean I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it just retreats over the original for about half the movie. Oh, um, yeah. It it uh, it's depiction of the future is not that interesting. I don't think. I no. think like it, really anything that happens in the future, I, I like. It just seems like a really sorely missed opportunity for their no. levels of humor. I mean, you do get the the Reagan Ayatollah joke, which is sick. Yes, which is awesome. But, but those those things for the first time feel like exceptions to what yeah. we're having to deal with for the first time in their career. And even there's just so many things happening that sour it. And even yeah. like not that they're right, because there's product placement in the first movie. Yes. But the product placement in this one also is off the charts. Like everything almost every scene <laughs> well, has, it's no longer, has yeah. people like giving them a paycheck and the script feels like just what it was rushed, like not fully thought out, not with full confidence or love behind it. And it feels like that in most every frame. Um, the little, 
the little things that I did notice because I forced myself. Because as soon as it started, I was like, fuck, this does suck as much as I remembered. Because I was even like, I'm stupid. I'm excited to finally see Back to the Future well, 2. Because I warned you and I was like, uh, but Will's going to probably find something. I did. I did okay. find something. So what I found, because that I don't even know if we need to go through it. People know what this is. And again, since you've seen the first, if you've seen the first one, you've basically seen the second one. Hey, did you know that uh, Biff is basically Trump? Uh, thanks. <laughs> but okay, the, I had to write them down, so I got it because I was really searching here. The treats are in the newspapers, and there are quite a few close-ups of newspapers that, and they don't linger long. But the articles that are there. So <laughs> there's Khrushchev stuff, which they kind of throw that away. Okay. But the thing that, that I was like, wow, <laughs> the thing that got me through this is there is a mention at the beginning of the movie in one of the newspapers of uh, Native Americans protesting at Wounded Knee. So they bring that up, the occupation of Wounded Knee. And then at the end, when they fix the future, that's the only thing that doesn't change at all on the newspaper at all. The wording doesn't change. The size of the article doesn't change the placement. The one thing that stays the same is Wounded Knee. And that made me go down a bit of a K-hole because, of course, I watched this at like one in the morning before I went to work. Uh, that made me go down a bit of a K-hole um, thinking about the intentionality of something like the Chuck Berry stuff, right? And like mm -hmm. the, the whiteness of this story and that what we're focusing on is this white kid and a white and, a, you know, the white doc going through history and what they're changing is that they're literally, the only thing they're interested in changing is small details to make sure their lives are okay, or that they don't die, or that their kids are different, but something as massive, truly, to the history of humanity, if you fucking care, you know, as Wounded Knee does not change because no one cared then, and no one cares now, and no one cares in the future. And that was pretty fucking amazing. And yeah. I would give it to them, and it's tiny, and no one noticed, yeah. for sure, and no one cares to notice. But that little thing in there, um, that, that got me. Yeah. And again, felt painfully like them just desperately trying to keep in stuff that they care about amidst yeah. this ad they were making <laughs> right at this point so there's still i don't you know it's there's yeah. it's, it's it was just a bummer yeah right and his depiction of how the world changes is probably the strongest thing about it even though it's a little oversold yeah. but yeah. you know he's saying that because what he shows you is not like oh this is what the world could 1985 could be that is what 1985 looked like yeah uh yeah and yeah. uh it's, it's, yeah. there. it's there and it's still it's still positive that they got that in at least but yeah it was just sad because this is the first time that they not preachy is too strong of a word but this is the first time going through all of this that we see them phoning it in a little bit as far as their very very smart observations and jokes it's yeah. very on the surface so very, yeah and that was a, that was a bummer but you know yeah that, no, that, that's that definitely uh that's for sure a bummer. But what's even more of a bummer is they felt they needed to keep this series going. <laughs> three but is more fun than two. Three is way more fun than two because he's just getting to make a West. I mean, you can yeah. tell that this guy loves Westerns and wants oh. to make them because yeah. he, the opening of Romancing the Stone. Yep. 
and then you have the character actors as the bullets in uh <laughs> yeah, amazing. In, and they <laughs> who appear in this as well as the guys around the card table mm-hmm. you got, i think you got uh you have harry carey jr you have uh Oh, the guy goes, yeah, we have that away. Yeah. I always get their names. Yeah. yeah. But clearly that's all that's going on here is he has to keep getting the bag. And yeah. he's but this one was well. more fun. Three, he was able to get the bag and still make a, a approaching a good movie, I think. Um, and even just alone, we at least get a set piece again. Because part of also what makes two suck so hard is right. there are no set pieces. That's true. And three, think though, of that, yeah. holy shit. The transcendence yeah, in three is amazing. It's, it's, amazing. It's, a, it's the reason you stick through the movie is to get yeah. to the sequence. Yeah. Well, and, that, to watch, and to watch, uh, watch, uh, um, got my brain right now, Doc and what's her name, Flirt, because that's cute as hell. Yeah, it's cute. It's yeah. cute. That's but as a kid, I remember thinking, I hate this so much. I just remember being like, I don't give a <laughs> fuck about Clara. Well, it's stupid, and that, and uh, and the ending with the kids, so stupid. It's but, so hammy. It's yeah. so hammy. And then the Nikkei joke. Yeah. Like, oh God, yeah. Oof. Like you still have to get product placement in, even when you're in the old west. You could have just done the close up before you left. <laughs> you get Wendy Joe again, though. Yes. So, all right. I think that's all I've got to say on that. Yeah, there's pretty so. much. It's at least we came back up. Like yeah. we at least saw the person who's a, a competent filmmaker and who loves movies again, mm-hmm. you know, like he's still clearly not stoked to be doing this, but him and again, Bob Gale is the only one who wrote this one. Still just story by for Zemeckis for three as well. I mean, it's yeah. one movie, like you said, but. Well, he's playing they, the game. Yeah, he's playing the game, but he got a little better at it than how sad he must have been <laughs> number two. And yeah. that's it. Yeah, two doesn't feel that. like a labor of love. Yeah, no, uh, three like a, a labor of commercial. <laughs> yeah, three, three. He's just attempt. He's going. I mean, the best part in the movie is the scene where, you know, he tries to make the whole idea of what he's doing very meta by having him take off into the past in a drive-in movie theater, where he yeah. drives right at the screen. Yeah, and uh, is immediately faced with, with like filmic versions of native americans and he's like oh the indians and he's going away and he goes and then he's like oh shit oh, i got got past the indians and then you realize what the indians were charging from which is the cavalry coming to massacre him yep and I, that's clever i mean yeah, as much that. as what he's got to work with and it goes into your wounded knee thing because it's yeah. just like which still is crazy because that that subtle of a wounded knee thing does not belong anywhere near movies like this. I wonder if there was more he tried to do with that back in the old west setting. Well, I bet there was even more. Yeah, there had to be. It's because it's there. If you look at it again, like I, I wasn't pausing, right? Like I didn't yeah. pause anything to see this stuff. Yeah, I was just like, I want to see what's in the paper outside of Doc Brown. Yeah, and that's what. Yeah, the Khrushchev jokes, and then the yeah because he sets up stuff for part three throughout part two so that's what makes me think maybe along the way they had some wounded knee subplot and maybe they cut it i don't know i don't know but Um, yeah anyway that's that's yeah future two and three okay and i'm just gonna be honest i think this is i'm glad we're pat well once we get to mocaps we'll return to this territory but we're unless we surprise ourselves we're now like i feel like we had a bender at Iowa State 
And then that was Back to the Future 2. And the next morning we had breakfast at a diner. Still feeling terrible. That was Back to the Future 3. But we're happy it's morning. We're happy it's morning. We got a big fistful of ibuprofen. And turns out we don't have to go back to work for a while. So we're just going to go on a road trip. And we're fucking stoked. And that's where we're at. And that's the final film of this part of our series oh, here. One of the greatest and returns to form. Because yeah. it's him returning to form, but also arguably the last of this kind of Zemeckis we're going to see. Yeah. Because he is going to make quite the jump and leap in subject matter. Maybe not to approach. I mean, tones are different, but well, we'll get to it. But <laughs> he makes a movie here, which to me is the culmination of probably what he was doing with all through the house and that is a you know this one it's a cult classic it's called death becomes her and all my my drag queen friends out there you definitely love this movie yep it's taken on that kind of campy life and that's all fun and good for sure sometimes stuff that's like cult camp i feel like well we've one misunderstood susan sontag and also (laughs) that um like it can almost make you think that's all the movie has sometimes i don't think that's the case with this one though no 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 it's not but i mean it's a movie people know and might have like put out of their heads now this movie fucking rocks this is one of the craziest i don't know I, i was trying to rack my brain and think of a filmmaker who clearly had right like things changed really fast yeah and they got in over their head and they did what they could to again not off themselves while they were in over their heads but holy shit i don't know if i've ever seen someone shake it off so clearly and so loudly (laughs) yeah this is an this is amazing he's like i had to do this shit i fucking hate hollywood but I really like what I have access to now (laughs) and what I, and the money I have, the people I can get, I really like that. So let's fucking take advantage of what I just put myself through. Yeah. I'm going to cast three of the biggest actors currently going Bruce Willis, Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep. All at their finest. All at their finest taking pot shots at themselves. At everyone Um, they know. At everyone they, they know do, at every restaurant they go to all of it the whole Listen, fucking scene you all out there saying <laughs> oh i know what the angriest hollywood movies are it's sob no you're not thinking no, one's, <laughs> no, thinking one's, <laughs> no one's thinking that so this movie two women who have been warring with each other over boyfriends and stuff throughout their lives one, Goldie Hawn loses her husband, played by Bruce Willis, to slutty-ass Meryl Streep. And, oh, it's funny how people embrace this movie now uh, and forget that one of the things they love to complain about online is hot actresses in fat suits. Oh, yeah. Because we get we get Toby go. <laughs> Goldie. And she's eating. It's not even just the suit. We we never get as far as I could tell, because I, I did even try. So I I 
I watched this once early this morning and then I watched the last 45 minutes again because a certain mm-hmm. scene we'll talk about had me giggling so hard that I missed so much of the rest of the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> that I had to go back. But so I went back running through the second time. Is she just eating tubs of mayonnaise with her finger? No, she's, I think what's even cream? better than tubs of mayonnaise is there, is there are pints of ice cream that have been left out. But they're not melted though. No, they are though. They're very melted. No, but she's not drinking it. Like if they were in the cabinet, that would just be pure liquid. She would just have to drink it. She used her fingers to scoop. And because there's like, it's it's that kind of ice cream where you've been working on it throughout the day. And she pulls a fresh one out of the cabinet. (laughs) So she's keeping it in the cabinet, I think. Yeah, but it would be, it would be like, it would be water consistency. Like if it was not refrigerated at all. So that's what I want to know. I don't think it's tubs of mayonnaise. What is it though? Because there's also different labels. Like, I don't know. I think it's supposed to be ice cream. The the closest I could say is maybe it's cottage cheese, but I'm pretty sure it's ice cream given how we're supposed to see this character blowing up. Yeah, I got to find it though. I got to find it. Okay, well, someone can crack that for us. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I just got obsessed because I was like, this is so obscene. Her just rewinding and watching Meryl Streep's death scene. It's very crass, as we know with these people, but it's good. This is one of the, this is almost as crass actually it's more crass in some ways than used cars totally i mean well what even follows is more crass where they the <laughs> cops have to arrest her because she's so fat um and she's not paying a rent either so they arrest her they th- they throw her in a sanitarium and she drives the inmates crazy in the group uh, therapy session because she keeps wanting to go over her uh, obsession with Meryl Streep, which is a very funny scene of these inmates being like, I'm going to kill myself if I have to hear this again. (laughs) Again, probably not going to slip that into a comedy, a mainstream comedy nowadays. But uh, they they did. This, goddamn, it's crazy this is a mainstream comedy. Just remember, when you're laughing at that, you can't be the same person laughing at that and going red in the face over the whale online. Sorry. We're drawing the line in this. You got to stand for something. If you better. You got to stand for a suit or no suits. Yes. You can't have one. You got to like it all. So uh, eventually in the story, Goldie Hawn discovers that she can get revenge for all this by planning to kill. Because well, her, her, her psychiatrist plans her, her, her mind. Her plans in her mind inadvertently. <laughs> and <laughs> so the flash forward, it's amazing flash forward. It's something like There's seven, seven years to seven years. So 14 seven. years we're jumping. It's 14 years very quickly. And Bruce Willis is in a loveless marriage with Meryl Streep. And he's a brutal suddenly, alcoholic. He's a brutal alcoholic. Brutal. One of the strongest yet. Yes, he's a very much, they pin him as a Republican conservative. He's got the liver spots. He's got shit all over the wall. <laughs> uh, like guns, old guns and shit. Yeah. So uh, Goldie Hawn now has suddenly lost all that weight and is looking younger, gorgeous, and she could have. Uh, she certainly shouldn't look the way she does, having been 14 years into the future. But she's stunning. So because these characters are all the most vapid, narcissistic characters <laughs> ever committed to a mainstream comedy, 
you Bruce Willis is like mm, maybe the person I left because they were a nebbish bookworm maybe I'm gonna dump my now like alcoholic out of work slutty wife and I'm going to go for the the nerd this the nerd gone slutty we've all the nerd done. who wrote the weight loss book <laughs> yeah listen we've all been here okay <laughs> <laughs> gotta get rid of the older model you need a new model I mean, when you think about it, he's treating them like cars. Yeah, we can do that. We can easily do that. Yeah. And say that there are still machines in this movie because these people are so vapid that arguably they, they, they cease to be human. So they treat their bodies like machines. Yeah. They don't take care of them. They do things to fix them that is not helping them. Um, so anyway, the mm. Meryl Streep's like, oh, no. I, I got to get young again, too. I'm a, I'm, I've got wrinkles and all this stuff. So she's she decides to go visit Isabel Rossellini. Holy shit. Who firing man, on not just all cylinders, firing on all cylinders that have existed in humanity. Ladies, got a great <laughs> costume idea. I told Jamie to do that for Halloween this morning after I watched. Well, if someone else is listening. <laughs> A certain someone. I got a good. I got a great. Uh, everyone. Costume. I, I want to go to a party that everyone is just dressed like Isabella Rossellini. I want well, see. I just want this just for me. So uh, <laughs> you, you don't have to like skirt it. I'll do it for you. Don't worry. <laughs> I take back what I said, folks. Uh, Will's already tried this once, where he hung his hair in front of his nipples and was like, "I'm the Little Mermaid," <laughs> and I was like. You got to quit drinking. I know, Will. I'm not going to stick my hand up your flipper. And then John took one more drink of his drink and woke up the next morning on a dumpster wearing my flipper. Wearing my yeah. flipper. Yes, yes. I was suddenly, yeah. <laughs> this always happens to me. Whether <laughs> I got to quit being so trusting. I look, I'm sorry I took advantage of what you revealed to me about what Olivia did to you, but yeah, you I saw my yeah, you saw a weakness, you saw a gaping wound, and you're like, hmm, like like James Spader, I'm gonna fuck that wound. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Look, sometimes, despite my best efforts, I just have to get mine. And you happen right. to be around on that day, so I got it, and I'm sorry. Hey, you have to tell me I'm a monster. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So death becomes her. Now, this is she goes to visit. Well, she goes to visit Isabel Rossellini and takes the takes the serum that she unveils. That is uh, an age an ageless serum. It's like the fountain of youth. Ponce de Leon's fucking secret. It's <laughs> you get to take this and you get to be young again. So immediately she notices when she takes it, she sees her liver spots go away. Which is great. Everyone's losing their liver spots, which is awesome. He loves this poor, poor young Bobby. Which parent was it, or was it both? I think both, because it's men and women who are brutal alcoholics. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll get to the bottom of this once we get Zemeckis on here. Yeah, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. At the very least, his shoes. <laughs> oh yeah, let me point out. I I found his Instagram, and it's under Bob's shoes, and it's run by his wife. And she posts pictures of all of his sneakers. But it's for like charity, right? So it's yeah, like it's some twisted, it's like some twisted OnlyFans with his shoes. With his shoes. It's really <laughs> fucked up and strange. And I love it. And yeah. 
more on that later. So yeah, so now there the movie basically becomes this all-out war between Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep, who have taken these serums that restore their youthful beauty, but also kills them. So they're just zombies, essentially. Well, it 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 from what I gather, right? Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it doesn't kill you unless you die. It just keeps you alive forever. You're not zombified as far as your skin immediately starting to rot and everything unless you die after you've taken the serum. You see what I'm saying? Maybe. Because hmm. we have, right, because Meryl Streep takes it and she doesn't have the skin problems until she's <laughs> in the greatest. <laughs> yeah. Because she's already dead, right? And then we, we have Goldie Hawn also who is having the skin problems only after she's killed after having taken the serum, right? I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> I mean, maybe we pointed out a plot hole, but like, yeah. Uh, well, either way, it's fun. You watch their bodies decrepit and going away. And then there's the fun awesome. moment when they go to the party, which is a very zemeckis thing of showing historical figures where you realize that this party are a lot of supposedly dead celebrities. Because yeah. we see, is it is it Warhol and Marilyn we see first? You see Warhol, Marilyn, you hear John F. Kennedy. Yeah, there's the there's the Elvis joke directly. The Elvis is the, yeah, and then there's the James Dean where he takes his car. <laughs> yeah. I also yeah. love earlier in the movie, and we then, it's expanded upon with the spray painting of the skin. But I love when Bruce Willis is at the bar at that party, just chugging glasses. Of and strength. Mary Ellen Trainer walks over to him. Yeah, and comes up and asks what his secret is for the the work that he does when he's become a disgraced, <laughs> a disgraced not plastic surgeon, just working on corpses. <laughs> the way he said, "Oh, spray paint." Yeah, I mean that really brings home the like bodies as cars because he's literally giving them paint jobs. Yep. Um, Damn. Yeah. 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 Wow, I didn't know we were okay. That's fun. It's funny because when you think of this movie, the the explicit drag stuff really doesn't show up till like the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense, especially because most people see this as a kid, right? And when you're when you're watching movies as a kid, I think a lot of times, unless you're obsessed, right? If you rewatch it constantly, of course you remember everything. But at least for me, the stuff as a kid that stuck in my brain the most is usually the last you know, 20 minutes or whatever yeah. that you like run and tell your friends about at school. So yeah, this was a big step forward, I believe, for Zemeckis's special effects company. I think this is their first movie. Yeah. Which we're gonna don't worry, we'll be talking about image movers. Yeah. Which used to be called what was it? Southside something. Yeah, right. Wait. wait Southside I wrote on the track. Yeah. It's something, yeah. Which yeah, I'm that's sorry, the, that's, the, that's the that's the future producer. You always hear like that's right. on the track. Yeah, <laughs> good, good. I just I it's because I fucking trust you too much. I know. So I'm always like John's definitely right, so that's true. No, but I'm a little <laughs> shit too. Yeah, well, it's outside something. Yeah, something. But yeah, image movers. So this is their first big contract, and they yeah. do they do this, and image movers next big contract will be um when they do a movie called um jurassic park when okay (laughs) 
yeah, I guess it got them. Uh, you got to keep the lights on at Image Movers. Yeah. But uh, outside mean, of the, like the effects in this are, I think, perfect. Honestly, oh, they're great because it's the right like one. I mean, maybe aged a little when her head's turned around. Well, but I think it's actually that might be her dying. Head. Maybe there's not a plot hole when her head gets. It is yes. Okay, it's never true. mind. All right. Yes. No so plot you hole. Your movie's perfect. There we go. Yeah. Yep. That's right. You, yeah. You can survive that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. You can't do that. I it, well, it made me think of the some of the other shit I was latching on to while I was dying during Back to the Future Two was of course the effects work. It's fucking amazing. And the way they shoot it, and it's only because he's such a competent wizard at how to shoot things and how focus works, which mm-hmm. good God, is that a lost art these days? What focus fucking is and how to use it. But and to apply that to animation, movie. I mean yeah. Already yeah. we're gonna okay. probably see the his mocap movies in a much better light. I don't remember, but I am excited to revisit thinking about it like this because I think I think so. Um, also, if I could, you know, if I sniffed out that <laughs> wounded knee detail in Back to the Future 2, I'm not worried about finding things to like in the mocap movies. <laughs> we'll see. We'll get them. I know one thing you're going to like in the Polar Express. Well, is it when Aerosmith makes me want to fucking just oh, no. die so hard? That's one of the worst moments in movie history. I, I 100 oh. Oh, I forgot about that. All right, we'll get to it. How could you forget? The camera zooms into his big fucking... Because I'm head. trying to move past... I'm trying to forget that. I'm just truly <laughs> trying to... Like certain uh, things that happened when I was in school. Principal. I'm just trying to push these things out of my head. But that's pretty bad. I was saying you'll be excited because Eddie Deason's back, but... Well, I love that. You know I love that. Well, I'm married, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so... Anyway, anyway, anyway the effect, what yeah, I was because, saying is the effects I think are great because they're so smartly used. And yes, there are some you know little crunchy, I guess, moments where it well, looks it definitely looks odd, really. but that's fun too. And I think that adds to the camp and also why so drag loved mm-hmm. <laughs> the way that shit looks. But that amazing use of focus when <laughs> when he's calling Goldie Hawn on the phone and not like a soft focus, like it's a complete blur as we watch her body try to stand up. Yeah. Start doing the dance with the focus pulling. <laughs> yeah, focus pulling, great. I mean, that, yeah, I think like even outside of the like special effects, like this movie is shot with the like entire cinematic playbook. Oh my God. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's shot with the, the care of like the most tender art house movie ever. It really is. I mean, this movie, like like most Zemeckis movies, they look so yeah. much better than they need to. Oh. And I don't mean that they deserve to, but that they need to to get the well, Yeah, they don't have to. They would make just as much money if they didn't. Yeah, but he's still... Like, it's he cares. That's why we're doing this, because he, he cares. He's a real he, one. He, he goes into it, and, you know, he gets to kind of cap off the end of his, uh, his horror run, sadly. I mean, this is... Oh. But kind if you gotta end. have a swan song, holy shit. I know. I mean, uh, yes, he'll return to produce things like The Frighteners and Will's favorite movie, Monster House. But <laughs> and he has to watch Bordello of Blood around this time. That Bordello of Blood. <laughs> that Bordello. Plus, we should just, we need to start doing this because we should, because no one else should be blamed. Well, if we find out details that someone else rewrote it, 
but I think confidently we can probably say it should be called Dennis Miller's Portal of Blood. Let's blame that piece of shit for everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately, that's what we're left with, with uh, this guy revisiting the horror genre. I guess he kind of dips a little in, you could say, with Beowulf a little. But, um, well, and cr- Christmas Carol, I mean. Sure. There's well, there's some Did you know there's ghosts in that story? Never heard it. Hmm. well i just want to say to you though like i just want to go to the mat here everyone knows death becomes her awesome right Mm -hmm. anyone who doesn't like it obviously walk on that's fine death become you motherfucker yeah like live your life i'll never see you again and that's how it should be for both of us but on this on this one and broken up with people for less yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah. ruthless but like re rewatching and then half rewatching again this morning. This is broken. I'm you know me, I'm hyperbolic at every turn, but good God do I mean it here. This is really broken. Like if I were forced if I were forced gun to my head to sit down and do a hundred movies that I take to a desert island with me, Death Becomes Her is without a doubt there and it is high up on that list. I remembered it great, like as a great movie, but this shit is fucking stellar. It's just so tight and so funny and so mean. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, go watch that, people, if you haven't seen it or revisit it or hold your fucking horses because hold your horses. We've got plans. Yep. Hold your horses just like Mongo and Blazing Saddles. <laughs> yeah, don't punch your horses, just <laughs> hold them. Because uh or or go right ahead because what we're planning is going to really ratchet this up yeah and also i again if you want if you rewatch death becomes her right now and then there's maybe an opportunity to rewatch it again in six months or three months or a year or whatever it may be in 35 and millimeter on the big screen at your yeah, favorite local don't theater watch it again yeah. then walk on one more time death becomes you <laughs> also thank the gods and i think and we'll get into it as we journey and i and i fear is a big part of what's going to hold me back in mocap zone but i'll get over it before we even get there but think oh just i was just swimming in this movie being shot on 35 even watching the blu-ray right like you know it's i mean it's a universal does good transfers but just imagine the nasty fucking red cameras if the movie was shot on those how oh it'd be gross it'd be so gross yeah so now that we are out of death becomes her he shed off this is the last we're seeing of the horror elements really this is the last we're kind of seeing of that more straight on its face comedy comedic stylings that he's known for and he is gonna go to a place that is very misunderstood and a place that even people maybe in this chat who have maybe two of us who have misinterpreted it over time until we've rewatched it and we're so ensconced with what we've seen. We text the other one in the middle of the night and they think, are you drinking? You know, cause like you didn't believe me. No drinking. Still too soft. I thought like, Oh no, did he fall on a screwdriver and it went directly into his gray matter? <laughs> That's how extreme I was when you first brought this up. Don't be disturbed. It. Yeah. It's true. No, I was very, I was, ridiculous <laughs> so now where we're at let's see if what i ranted to him in probably 20 text messages in the middle of the night let's see if that holds water 
Yeah. And I'm going to try to find those so we can surprise quote them during the episode. We can do that. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see you next time. There, there, we're, we're, this is going to be, there might be a little break before the next installment of this. And we know you all love it. So just be patient. Yeah. There'll be other shit in between. Don't worry. But this series will finish this month. Hopefully we'll see um, if Will can do it. Oh, and he can. he can. I've been and, talking to him and he can. <laughs> and we'll finally win a podcasting award. <laughs> so thank you for joining us on some this part. <laughs> yeah, the AVN awards are coming up for best film podcast. <laughs> it's gonna be us. <laughs> it's gonna be us. Certainly isn't gonna be check or whatever. All right. All right, we'll see you later. Bye. Baby,